Welcome to Healing Imaginations, a new project by Centric Lab. Healing Imaginations is a project that provides a time and space to peoples to think about healing. In time, this space will turn into a robust digital library of healing practices, rooted in kinship and solidarity with the great cosmic energy and all earthy siblings. You can read more about this project and the contributions from amazing, beautiful and liberating voices from across the globe at healingimaginations.org. For this audio conversation, we would like to welcome microbial ecologist Jake Robinson. He will be guiding us through the tiny yet abundant world of microbes. We will learn about how they heal us and the planet, as well as why they are our invisible friends. Jake also has a wonderful and expansive book about the microbial world called Invisible Friends. If you are curious about taking a deeper dive into the vast world of microbes, we'll provide the link for you in the show notes. Now over to Aricelli and Jake for their conversation. So, uh, Jake, welcome to Healing Imaginations. Thank you very much for inviting me. um, You're welcome. So... Let's start with going as back in time as we possibly can mm-hmm. and talk about your ancestral peoples and your ancestral lands and territories. Okay, sure. Um, so, yeah, so basically I grew up in the UK. I grew up in Derbyshire in the Peak District area of, of England. Um, and so I'm not... I don't totally know loads and loads about my ancestral um, background, but what I do know is that my um, grandfather, um, grandfather's side of the family, they came from the Highlands in Scotland, um, and they're actually part of the uh, Davidson clan. And the Davidson clan themselves were descended from uh, a group of peoples called the Picts, or the Pictish peoples. Um, and they were so named because um, they were said to be covered in um, tattoos and different body paints and things and picks apparently means um painted in latin um and so these are the painted peoples of um of, of the highlands of scotland essentially um it's thought that they were descended from um, earlier celtic clans um as well so the, the celtic clans that were considered indigenous to um, the british isles um and yeah the, the pictish people did lots of amazing artwork and um, so they were incredibly talented artists um you know chiseling out uh, floriferous and um, symmetrical patterns on stones that still exist today. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, so presumably I think they were they're polytheistic, so they uh, they um, worshipped multiple um, gods, um, but eventually they, they converted to Christianity, um, like many peoples, unfortunately. Um, they know, they've known to have battled against invading Romans, so probably around 2,000 years ago. Um, and the last, the last Pictish um, clan leader, um, which I think people refer to as a king, um, he actually died around the ninth century, so not actually that long ago, really. And that's only a few hundred. That's only a few hundred years before the uh, Europeans invaded the Americas. So, wow, very, mm. very interesting. Um, now we're going to go into how. So you're. So if you tell us a little bit, you um, of your scientific study and you can use that lens or you can use a personal lens or you can use an ancestral lens um, Mm -hmm. to describe 
the phenomena or the concept of healing? Sure. Um, so, yeah, like you say, I think it's a multidimensional and multi-scale kind of um, concept, really, healing. So um, I guess what springs to mind are words like nourishment and recovering from damage or harm. Um, and it could probably mean different things depending on your perspective. So um, in, general, in general, it's about regeneration and equilibrium. Um, you know, for some, pe- for some oppressed people, it could be more about liberation and setting oneself free from the, the shackles of coloni- um, colonialism, for, example, for instance. Um, from an ecological perspective, it's about kind of restoring that equilibrium and restoring complexity and functionality um, in an ecosystem. So restoring the species and, and their interactions, um, their symbiotic interactions with each other. So it can mean different things depending on, like you say, which perspective you come from. Okay. And if I would ask you to extend yourself um, in terms of, we know science as it is seen practiced is part of the Western epistemology. This isn't to say that other peoples don't do science. It is the dominance of the, of the, of the science that we talk about that is of Western epistemology. Sure. How, if you can go outside of those walls mm-hmm. as, as a person, as an individual, as an individual watching our planet dysregulate, watching the, the changes that we're going through so up close, mm-hmm. what, how would you describe healing in that context? And also in the context of hopefulness and imagineering. Yeah, sure. Obviously, witnessing the, you know, like you say, the planetary dysregulation is an absolute nightmare. Really, it's a living nightmare, um, and so I suppose uh, healing in this sense is stopping that nightmare and turning it into a dream. Um, you know, a dream of healing, a dream of nourishment and recovery from this damage and harm. Um, from an ecological perspective, I've always already mentioned it's about kind of restoring the complexity of ecosystems and. Um, sort of viewing organism, allowing organisms to be themselves and to function um, with others um, in a symbiotic way. Um, yeah, so um, for me, I feel incredibly connected to the rest of nature. So there's this kind of new, newish concept in Western science called nature connectedness, which is, is obviously um, it's born out of indigenous concepts of um, interconnectedness with nature. Um, but I feel incredibly um, connected to the rest of nature, emotionally and cognitively. Um, so yeah, when I see when I see non-humans being harmed, so trees, plants, other animals, etc., I feel incredibly, uh, yeah, incredibly sad about that. So yeah, that, I guess that's stepping outside of the Eurocentric um, scientific framework. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. And speaking of stepping out of the Eurocentric mind frame, you um, have written a book called Invisible Friends. And I think that is a very non-Western framing of what your book is, right? That it's about microbes. So why why are they our friends? Hmm. And who are they? So, yeah, so Invisible Friends, like you say, it's it's all about kind of, you know, we've had this uh, negative, demonising, um, you know, bane of society perspective of microorganisms. Um, because once once we discovered that they, some of them, a few, very few of them, 0.00001% cause human diseases, um, then we sort of, you know, went on this rampage to try and remove them all and to remove ourselves from exposure to them. Um, so this book's really about turning that negative perception on its head 
um, and saying, you know, most microorganisms are either um, harmless to us or actually are our friends in a sense. They they are extremely beneficial. That in fact our bodies are um, 53% microorganism in in terms of cell numbers. Um, and yeah, so we could view ourselves as the, what's called a holobiont. So we're kind of these walking, talking ecosystems. Um, with a host plus trillions of microorganisms working symbiotically to form this walking ecosystem. Um, and if you think of um, microorganisms from a disease perspective, something like 0.052% um, of people, this is a kind of morbid statement, so I apologise, 0.05% um, so of us die because of um, things like infectious diseases and pathogenic microbes. But 100% of us would die if microbes didn't exist. And in fact, we wouldn't even exist if microbes didn't exist. So our ancestors are microbial in origin. Um, and so, yeah, so they play essential roles in our bodily functions, in, but also in our ecosystems that provide us with this nourishment, that provide us with, um, you know, the health and well-being, our food, um, this sort of stuff. Um, so the book's really about explaining that from, from A to Z of, you know, the, the beneficial roles and the, the relationships that we have with microorganisms that, you know, they're not, they're not bad would... relationships at all. Great. Thank you for that, Jake. So now I want to put a pin in two things. Hmm. One is or actually three things. One's on friendship. One is on a walking ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And then the other about ancestry. So the first one can you go a little bit deeper about calling us a walking ecosystem? Because again, in the West, sure. we have this, we personify the human body as really a standing still in time, right? Mm -hmm. Everything the way that we used to describe it through yeah. organs and physiological parts and physiological processes. Yeah. But a walking ecosystem denotes that number one, there is a plurality to our bodies. Mm -hmm. And number two, that there is a vast amount of time space within our body. So do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah. So as I said, um, we could view ourselves as these single entities, and we often do, especially in the Western world, um, and kind of separate from the rest of nature. Or we could view ourselves as part, you know, deeply embedded within the, the tapestry of nature itself. And each one of our bodies is, is also a tapestry of nature. So we're this sort of bustling jungle of life. Um, and some people some people say we're just this kind of, you know, this, uh, this carrier for the microbes themselves. Um, but yeah, so we, we are walking ecosystems within the ecosystems that support us. Um, you know, there are trillions of microorganisms that live in our guts, in our armpits, on our skin, in our airways. Um, and they all contribute to this kind of functioning ecosystem as a whole. Um, so we can't really view ourselves as single entities at all. We, we really should be viewing ourselves as these diverse communities that are in constant flux with the, uh, the external environment. Um, and so, you know, to, to be able to look after our walking, talking community, we need to look after the, the outside environment, which um, influences the, the, the health of our walking ecosystem. Mm, that's beautiful. Okay, so I'm pushing a little bit more in that in that space. Yeah, go for it. If we know this and we begin to understand ourselves, I just said it, as as a community that is interacting yeah. with other multiple communities, mm -hmm. where do we go in terms of our imaginations, imagining ourselves as healing, imagining ourselves as kin? 
Sure. Yeah, well, we really need to take that relational perspective. Um, you know, again, sort of, it's it's quite a difficult concept to describe, but, you know, to heal ourselves, we need to heal the, the others in our community. And so that could be at different scales. Again, like we mentioned before, healing can be described um, in a multidimensional, multiscale um from a multi-scale perspective and so you know healing ourselves requires healing our community of life um, and we, we must recognize then the relationships and the friendships that, that we have with um, the other forms of life that are covering us they're inside us they're everywhere and in fact it's kind of strange and us is kind of a good word to use for um each one of us individually because obviously as we said we're not necessarily from one perspective we're not an individual we're not individual people um, we are those walking communities. And so we should be describing ourselves as us instead of me, for example. Um, so that's probably one one way we can try and push our imaginations, you know, to go beyond thinking ourselves as um, of ourselves as me or I and think of ourselves as us because we are a, a community. Mm, which then was the other pin of 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 the friends of really where the friend comes from because then you're 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 in that word of friends you're putting in things like exactly. trust and love and solidarity and kinship do you want to say yeah, anything sure. to that and um, no not other than i totally agree with you but um yeah we should be treating this because it is a community because we are a community within a community we should be viewing things from that kinship perspective and that yeah like you say um uh, it's kind of moving away from the egocentric towards the ecocentric view of you know um like you say trust um friendship etc yeah good point <laughs> perfect now the other pin was ancestral mm-hmm. so in turtle island philosophies and imaginations and and, and other land-based cultures around the world mm-hmm. we talk very much about our ancestors i think one in part it's part of our communal imaginations but also that is what was ripped away from us yeah in 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 so many multi-factorial and deep ways yeah but as you said being part of a biggerness of um of a almost like yes of a of a biggerness of a cosmicness that microbes are a communal ancestor to all of us because it's not just humans mm-hmm. can you talk about that the way that the microbes in that regard become a communal planetary ancestor sure yeah um so obviously much of my findings um in this kind of microbial ecology space um come from this kind of western scientific framework so um when i describe things i'll obviously have a bias there <laughs> to describing it in that kind of way um <clears throat> But that's just my background and my upbringing. Um, so, you know, microbes, um, so maybe I'll talk about, you know, it, from an ancestral perspective, I could talk about endosymbiosis first. Um, and so two, 2.7 billion years ago, um, there's this concept called endosymbiosis where a bacterium um, was gobbled up by a eukaryotic cell. And so that's a, a cell with a, a, a nucleus bound um a membrane bound nucleus sorry and um, which itself evolved from a bacterium like organism so eukaryotic cells which is what we're made up of um, or our bodies at least that host the prokaryotic cells they were they themselves evolved from a bacterium like organism and the bacterium that was gobbled up by this eukaryotic cell avoided being digested and became um, what's called an endosymbiont so a cell living within another cell 
And eventually it provided high energy compounds to the eukaryotic cell. And the eukaryotic cell provided the bacterium with food. And ultimately they became dependent on each other. And so this dependency is really important to think about, I think, in this communal um, perspective. Um, and this dependency in these eukaryotic cells between, um, between the eukaryotic cell and the bacterium um, gave rise to mitochondria. And mitochondria are these um, tiny organelles um, within each of our cells that provide our cells with um, energy. And so we wouldn't exist without these mitochondria. But because the mitochondria came from um, bacterium, we wouldn't exist without bacterium. And something like 8% of our genome was also inserted by um, viruses as well. Um, and let's zoom out now. So let's think about the, the air that we breathe. So um, I know I've mentioned you, you've mentioned before, sorry, about healing starts with, um, well, from one perspective, healing starts with every breath that we take. Um, and so obviously we need to uh, breathe in oxygen um, in order you know, to stay alive. Um, and much of the oxygen, something like 50%, um, is, is and was, through evolutionary timescales, produced in the ocean by um, cyanobacteria. Um, and so every time we take a breath, we really must kind of be grateful to these, these um, microbial life forms that have produced this oxygen, allowing us to breathe. Um, but yeah, an interesting aspect to that is actually um, some viruses called bacteriophages, they are thought to have um, provided the cyanobacteria with the photosynthetic machinery required for them to photosynthesize in the ocean. And so, we, again, we have another kind of bacteria, another kind of microbe to um, thank for the air that we breathe. Um, and so I think this is a really good example of how, you know, these tiny kind of underappreciated, unseen, organ unseen organisms contribute to our very being, our very, you know, our ability to heal um, uh, as communities of life across multiple scales. Sorry if I started waffling on a bit there, so um, feel free to put me back on track if I <laughs> get distracted. No, that was absolutely stunning um, because it really cements cognitively that, yes, of course, we can take it down the spiritual mm -hmm. side, but we can also look at it from a very literal perspective that yeah and again this is siblinghood across plants and soil and water and people because those microbes of course are as you said they're not just in us they are in our even in our atmosphere and in and in, and in the air exactly um okay and obviously so oxygen is not just essential for humans yeah <laughs> it's essential for <laughs> most of the life forms that um yeah, perform cellular respiration. So, so microbes are really are the kind of original uh, healers, I suppose. Okay, give, well, that, givers of life. Yes, that puts us perfectly to the next question. We've mm -hmm. talked about who they are, uh, mm -hmm. microbes. Now let's talk about their imaginations, and I do mean that very literally. Mm -hmm. Microbes, in all, as you said, being the original healers they too hold healing imaginations. So what have you learned in terms of microbes and the way that they have created and imagined the world from a communality perspective from, and from a healing perspective? Um, sure. So, yes, yeah, so I, I might struggle describing this um, from, you know, um, viewing bacteria as having imaginations, but I can try my best. Um, so, you know, obviously they, um, as we've spoken about, they're, they're the kind of ultimate uh, 
communal members, I suppose, um, ultimate friends with each other. They um, um, they can communicate via what's called um, quorum sensing. So they have the, the kind of original communication skills. Um, they exchange uh, nutrients. And some microbes make a mess. Other microbes clean it up. So we've got these kind of principles of ecology and these, these uh, yeah, I guess it could put it in the realms of imagination um, across different scales of life. Um, and so, yeah, so some microbes help each other out. There are, there are um, what, you know, obviously we've spoken about mutualistic symbiosis before. So this is the kind of mutual two-way relationship that microbes have with other microbes, that microbes have with other um, organisms that aren't microbes. Um, am I making sense here? <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So cool. I guess maybe for... Maybe you'd audience, like to give your perspective on this. Um, I'd be interested to, to hear your perspective. <laughs> well, so my background is in cognitive neuroscience, and sure. you have the one side where it's, neuroscience is one of those, I think, very supremacy-based sciences because the yeah. first thing that you learn is that not only is brain... Yeah, brain-centric. Brain, Exactly. But you also learn that who has the best brain mm. humans and neuroscience has been stubborn for such a long time that any other being on this planet can do the thinking the sure. way that humans do. Mm-hmm. But yet you ask somebody looking at orca migration and they tell you there are languages in there. There are cultures in there mm-hmm. um, in the way that the orcas behave and interact with themselves and externally with the ecosystem. Sure. And so it is pushing, again, those epistemologies that we're so used to um, that corral us in this very narrow imagination that the only beings that can imagine are human but that's not true our entire universe is full of imagination and creation right imagination is you can say is a pre, uh, predecessor's creativity mm-hmm. and everything of how you're describing the microbes the fact that they were integral architects of the world that we live in mm-hmm. they by that definition must hold imaginations themselves mm-hmm. Um, so within that, what would you say has been your key learning from microbes that you have learned throughout the years that you're like, this is this mm. is a stunning example of either kinship or living communally or mm. or of healing? Sure. Well, um, well, I guess the main thing I've learned is that we live in a microbial world. It's not a human-centric world. They're the ultimate. They were there. They were here, you know, billions of years before any other form of life. Um, so, yeah, from that perspective, it's kind of, yeah, we <laughs> we live in a microbial world. Um, but, yeah, um, so, yeah, I've learned, I've, learned, oh, I've learned so many things. It's hard to put one thing um, forward. Um, microbes... Uh, Oh man, can we cut this out? I've totally lost track of thinking. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, of course. <laughs> oh man, can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah, so like, so for example, um, Kimmerer talks a lot about the gift, right? Yeah. And gifting and reciprocity sure, yeah, sure. in her work. 
And some of her examples are the way that bees gift us with pollination Uh and with honey um, for us, pollination for for the flowers and the plants, which obviously from there, the gift is even bigger, right? Because it's about biodiversity and again, Mm -hmm. oxygen and Mm -hmm. the way that it contributes to multi-level healing. Sure. And you can also say you can learn, right? There's there's learning there about the way you're giving, about the way that communal, kin-based um, um, organisms or or beings, um, or the way that we can learn about structural engineering from beavers um, mm-hmm. and how they too are. From where they are, from where they are in their world, they give way to multiple worlds in terms of being architects and engineers of wetlands. Mm-hmm. And wetlands, as we know, are incredible, incredibly important ecosystems to the function of our planet. Okay. So, in that same way, okay. what, yeah, what have what what is that gift, or what is those teachings from from microbes that that you have taken, and also that we can take? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if we're talking about kind of gift economy, you know, Robin Wall, uh, Kimmerer's uh, kind of concept, um, we can view microbes as the ultimate gift givers, I reckon. So, um, you know, microbes, are. I, there's a chapter actually called um, microbes, in, sorry, in Invisible Friends called microbes are the glue that, that holds our ecosystems together. And so, you know, microbes, provide gifts um, to ourselves, to our ecosystems across multiple scales. So from the soil, they, they provide nutrients to other, to other organisms, to plants. Um, they provide growth hormones. They provide, um, they create biofilms themselves by communicating with each other through what I've mentioned as quorum sensing. Um, and these biofilms can then fend off pathogens from harming the plants and from harming the relationship between the plants and the microbes in the soil. Um, and so I guess, you know, from your imagination perspective, you could, you could say that, um, that microbes are protecting the, the relationship, not just themselves or just necessarily the, the plants. They're protection, protecting that symbiotic relationship between the microbes, the soil and the plant. Um, and then obviously organisms that feed on, on, on plants benefit from these relationships as well, um, you know, humans as well. Um, and so I guess... Um, what I'm trying to say is that they are the ultimate gift givers um, from from the soil through to the plants, through to um, other forms of life. Um, so I'd say microbes are you know, the ultimate gift givers. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. So in a conversation that was had with Nick Estes, um, who is a professor um, at Turtle Island, mm-hmm. um, he had a conversation with Dr. Vivian Camacho, who's specialism is not only being a Quechua midwife, but they also very much talk about um, the soil. Mm -hmm. And she said, we do not have a revolution without the soil, meaning that from the soil comes life as well. So I'd agree with that. Right. So then we know that part of the dysregulation of the planet is coming from our soil being depleted. Mm-hmm. from nutrients because of the depletion of microbes. So can you talk about in those terms of how how does a healing pathway through soil look mm-hmm. like to you? 
Sure. So I think trying to understand the relationships, um, well, well, for one perspective, you could say you could study it in order to um, to improve and understand and prevent harm to the relationships in the soil. From another perspective, you could say, you know, you need to just stand back, let let nature, give nature time and um, space to heal itself, um, you know, through natural regeneration. Um, and so this this is probably a really good uh, way to go in many cases. Um, but we've also degraded some ecosystems so badly that often we do need to give it help and give them help in hand. And so studying the relationships in the soil between the microbes, between the plants and the soil, um, is provides a really important kind of platform to then be able to understand how to protect the relationships that occur in the soil. So I've mentioned before, um, microbes provide lots of different nutrients. They, they convert organic matter into nutrients that then become available to plants so that plants can then grow and be healthy. Um, they Again, they communicate with each other through a kind of underground Wi-Fi um, network. Um, again, they protect plants from uh, pathogens. They, they also create this thing called soil aggregation. So when I mentioned earlier in Invisible Fens, there's a chapter about microbes are the, the, the glue that holds our ecosystems together. Um, they actually secrete sugary substances and create this thing called um, soil aggregates. Um, and this is really important to prevent soil erosion. And that's one of the number one threats to the, the soil across the planet is the erosion of soil. And so understanding and nourishing these kind of biofilm forming bacteria in the soil and um, in algae, for example, um, is probably a really important step in being able to understand how to prevent soil erosion. So there's different perspectives. You, we, we need to you need to stand back and let nature heal, but we also need to, um, in often in some cases, give it a helping hand. Great, thank you for that, um, Jake. And final um, question or provocation is putting what you know or what microbes have taught you mm-hmm. on one hand, what you would be your wish for our planet, for our ecosystem, for us as a peoples? Um, sorry, I missed the question. I think it cut out. Sorry, I'm checking. Oh, sorry. I, got the, um, I think I got the last half of the question. Okay, sorry, sorry about that. So, yeah, given your what you have learned from microbes and who you are as a person, yeah, what would be your one wish for us as peoples, but also for our communal ecosystems? Sure. Um, so, yeah, so my one wish would be to move, um, again, probably... Uh, paraphrasing uh, Robin Wall Kimmer is to move towards a, you know, a re- re- reciprocal relationship with the land between all organisms. So that is definitely one of my main wishes is to, um, you know, look after nature, nature will look after us, the rest of nature that is. Um, and yeah, really move towards in the Western world to, to uh, more of an indigenous perspective of viewing ourselves deeply embedded within the wider um, ecological web of life. Um, including the microorganisms, treating microorganisms with respect. So that's what the book's all about, you know, turning turning this negative perception on its head um, and treating, treating microbes just like other organisms with the respect that they deserve. Hey. 
Healing Imaginations is a project by Centric Lab, a non-profit organization creating radical infrastructure for communal healing. If you like what you've heard and you want to get in touch, please either go to healingimaginations.org or thecentriclab.com. We look forward to speaking to you soon and please share this to whomever you feel needs a little bit of healing and joy in their life. Bye.